Ready to get in the Word tonight? If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Thank you, Father. This is a scripture that Trey um, ministered on last week. And I'm going to pick up where he left off last week. And we started a new series last week entitled Walking with God. Uh, we have two other classes going on right now, and so if you normally come, and there's normally more people in here, uh, we have two other classes. We have a marriage class going on as well. We, we, has a, we have a financial class going on as well, and so if you've signed up for those, those are in the our back module building there, And uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the series and, and also the things that are taking place back there, but I want to pick this up in Hebrews chapter 8. If you weren't here, I'll encourage you to get the teachings from last week. Uh, go online to either our website or YouTube, and you can listen to those. But uh, I want to read verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 8. It says, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, says the Lord. Now, it's interesting here. He says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant. First off, and this is just a side note, I wasn't planning on bringing this out in the scripture, but it just came up in my heart, is it said they continued not in my covenant. Well, one thing you have to understand about a covenant, a covenant is an agreement made by two parties. It's when two people came together and established something that we're going to walk this way, we're going to live this way, we're going to guide our lives this way, and it said that they did not walk in the covenant. So God is kind of like, they were walking together, so to speak, in this journey. They're walking in this journey, but what happened, all of a sudden God looks and there's no one walking with him. Meaning God's like, wait a minute, man, I couldn't bring them in because they didn't regard my covenant. They didn't regard the agreement that we had set up to operate in and, and live by. And then he says this in verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. So now this is the covenant that I'm going to make. So now this a covenant has to be based on two parties, right? right. You, you know, it's not, it's not, you, you don't make a covenant by yourself. He's making a covenant. With, with the, the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, and I will put my laws into their mind, write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me. Say all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. All shall be acquainted with me. All shall know me. You, you should not need any man to teach you uh, about, tell his neighbor that you need to know God, but all will know me. I mean, this, this, is, this is what God desires for all humanity. And, and as I bring the word out tonight, I really want you to hear the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is that all humanity would know him. Not know about him, but to know him. See, there's a difference of knowing about someone and knowing someone. I just don't want to know about God. I want to know him. I want to be in relationship with him. 
I, I want to I have a deeper relationship with him. I, I want my relationship with him to grow just as I want my relationship with my spouse to grow. I want my relationship with my heavenly father to go to grow. Amen. You know, it, you see, you, you need to know him personally. And it's not you knowing him through someone else. Yes, there's, there's, I, I can, I can, yes, there's some things that I want you to, to know about God through my experience. But ultimately, what you learn from a minister, a pastor, a prophet, or what you learn from someone is, is not to, not to say, well, I know them through Pastor Justin. No, you know them, you know him yourself. You don't know God through Joseph or, or a priest or, or, or another minister or through Jerry Savelle or Kenneth Copeland or whatever person you listen to. Yeah, all those things are great because their experiences and the word of God they bring forth should provoke within us a hunger to know him. My, my heart as a pastor is to make you hungry to know him. When, when, when we get together and we unpack the word of God and, and as you're ministering and as, as I'm ministering the word, there's something on the inside of you that was like, oh, I want to know God like that. I want to know the word like that. I want to be able to, to read the word and, and hear what that person says. And, you know, I hear things that Mr. Copeland say or Dr. Savell or, or different ones. And I'm like, how did they see that in the scripture? It, it, it was, it, it wasn't about just knowing the scriptures. It's not just about knowing principles or knowing ideas, but it's knowing the person. It's knowing the person. And the, and the heart of the father is that we would all know him. You know, we have to be careful because we can look back and we can look at other people that have gone before us. We can look at generations past. We can look at different ones that went before us and, and did things on our behalf and did things before us. And we say, man, weren't there great moves of the 30s? Weren't there great moves of the, of the 50s? Great moves of the 60s, the charismatic move. And, and, and yes, well, man, the good old days were great. Remember back in the day and man, they would play that certain hymn and the presence of God will fall and everything was great. And, and yeah, those things are great. But Ecclesiastes says, in Ecclesiastes 7, he, he makes a statement. He goes, he goes, why should we say the days of old were better than these? He said, when you say that, it says, it says you judge unwisely. How were the days gone by better than today? He goes, when you make that statement, he goes, you judge unwisely. Yes, though, but, but the thing is, is you have to take what happened in previous generations and then you can get in this other ditch where you say, well, hey, I'm the Joshua generation. And you can say, well, well see, I'm, I'm the new up and coming. And that what happens is, is you don't honor what happened before. And so therefore, therefore you get into arrogance and you get into pride. And so the thing is, there's a ditch on both sides because bottom line is God wants all of us to know him fresh and new every day. Say, I want to walk with God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Actually, that, that uh, verse in Ecclesiastes says this. Say not, what are the cause that the former days were better than these? For you don't, you're not inquiring wisely. But let's, let's look at Hebrews 6 here. I want to make sure I quoted that right. Hebrews 6. Thank you, Father. For the sake of time, let's look at 
verse 12. It says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he says, don't be slothful. Don't neglect something. Don't be lazy. Don't, um, really what he is saying, he goes, live on purpose. Don't be, someone that's slothful is not living with a sense of purpose. Don't be slothful, but what be followers of them who through faith and patience receive the promise. Do you want to receive promises in your life? I bet you I do. There's promises that I'm standing on. There's promises that pertains to finances. There's promises that pertains to our children. There's promises that pertain to this church and this community. There's promises that, I, that we're, we're standing on. How about you, right? And it says that we inherit them. He says, but follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So, so there's something about this faith that is going to bring me in to the promises of God. Now, now, patience, you know, uh, Brother Copeland called it the, the power twins, right? And so I, I'm not going to have a chance to deal with patience tonight, but I want to deal with this principle of faith. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. So Wednesday night, are, we're kind of like Bible school, so we're going to just bring out a lot of Scripture tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm just going to read the first couple words of several verses, starting in verse 4. Verse 4 says, by faith Abel. By, verse 5, by faith Enoch. Verse, six says, verse 7 says, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Right? Verse 17, by faith Abraham. Verse 20, by faith Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse, verse uh, 22, by faith Joseph. Verse 23, by faith Moses. Verse 24, by faith, by faith Moses. So, so here as we see here and throughout that, by faith. By faith this person, by faith that person, by faith this person. So through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. There, there is a connection. See, faith is founded... Your faith is founded and established through the principle of fellowship. Your faith is founded upon fellowship. See, the Father's heart that all would know me, right? So this principle of faith has to be founded upon the principle of fellowship. Let's look at verse 5. And I'm going to bring out a couple of things that Trey did last week. Verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, if we look at the word testimony, uh, you know, I have a testimony. Now, my testimony is... My story, my testimony is a is an account of my life. 
So if I would ask, I would ask Joseph, well, give me a testimony. What are you going to give me? You're going to give me a story of what happened in your life. You're going to give me a story of how you did something, how you lived, and, and, and what were the results. Right. So here it says that by Enoch, it said he was translated that he did not see God. Why? Because he had this testimony. He had this story. He had this story. Everyone, everyone knew this story about him. Everyone knew this about him. Everyone, everyone could tell you, well, what's that? What's that Enoch guy like? Well, he's the one that walks with God. So he had this story that he walked with God. And then we know the next verse for without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's this aspect of this fellowship with God that Enoch had that caused him and out of that fellowship produced a life of faith. Let's go to Genesis chapter five. Genesis chapter five. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for the word. Oh, just just lift, lift, lift a hand to heaven. Just lift both hands. I'll say, Father, I open my heart to the word. Thank you for your word that it changes me, that is working in my life. It's causing me to grow. Holy Spirit, illuminate the word. Illuminate a life of faith. Illuminate on, on what it means to, to pursue after you and live a life of fellowship and walking with you. Oh, we receive it, Father. In uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, in the Amplified, it says, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. After the birth of Methuselah, 300 years, he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. And he was not, for God took him home with him. Now let's look at, let's look at uh, Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the history of the generations of Noah. So you can say this is his story, history. This is Noah's story. This is his story of the generations of Noah. So if you want to look how Noah lived his life, listen to what's about to be said. Noah was a just and a righteous man, blameless in his evil generation, Noah walked in habitual fellowship with God. Habitual, Noah walked in habitual fellowship with God. Now let's go, go to Genesis 24. Let's put our eyes on the word. Genesis 24, this is when Abraham sent a servant out to go, um, you know, find a wife for his son Isaac. <clears throat> And he says this in verse 34, and he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. So, so here, the servant of Abraham is giving a testimony, giving a testimony of Abraham's life, the one that he served all his days. And the Lord had blessed my master greatly, and he's become great and has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. Verse 36, and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him hath he given all that he has. 
And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go to my father's house, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And I said to my master, Perventure, this woman will not follow after me. And Abraham said to me, The Lord be form before whom I walk. Now Abraham's saying this, right? This is what Abraham is saying to his servant. The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son and my kindred and my father's house. Abraham, for who I walk. By faith Enoch, and he walked habitually with God. By faith Noah, it said he walked habitually with God. Now we see Abraham, his servant testifies of it. Abraham says, this God in whom I walk, he's going to prosper my way. See, back to Hebrews 6, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. See, right now we're talking about being followers, right? Following those. How many of you say Abraham inherited promises, right? So we're following this up. Now let's go, let's go to Genesis 48. Genesis 48. Thank you, Father. Genesis 48, verse 15. And he blessed Joseph. Who did he bless? And said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. So here we're, we're seeing connection. Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited a promise. But if we look at by faith Abraham, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Joseph, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, we're seeing a, a thread here. There was a connection that, yes, they live by faith, but their faith was connected to their fellowship. Your, fellow, your faith we burst birth out of fellowship. Now, walking with God. Now, put it this way. By faith, I could say... By fellowship. By faith, Noah. By faith, Enoch. Or I could say, by fellowship. By fellowship. By fellowship. It's, it's, it's no different because, because we understood that how they had faith was because and through their fellowship. And so often, what I found myself in my own life is I tried to obtain faith apart from fellowship. And when you try to obtain faith apart from fellowship, you get into works. Yes. You get into, how come it's not working? Has he heard my prayer? Why hasn't anything changed? Why? Because instead of, failing, instead, of, instead of having fellowship, I'm trying to have faith. Instead of having fellowship, I'm going to have faith. Now, walking with God, walking denotes movement. If I'm walking then it denotes movement. I'm walking with God, meaning I'm going somewhere. Walking denotes movement. It's not like a stagnant river, but it's something that's flowing. 
See, the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's no, the, the Dead Sea is, there's nothing flowing into it. There's nothing flowing out of it. It's the Dead Sea. And nothing can, nothing of significance can grow there because there's no, there's no movement. And it's the same thing is your life, your relationship with God and faith in God will remain stagnant if you're not fellowshipping with God. Walking with God is not just having a relationship in name only. For instance, I can walk down the aisle and get married and say I do. And the state will recognize, recognize that relationship, but it doesn't mean it's something that's thriving or growing. Let me say that again. You can walk down the aisle and say, I do to your spouse, and the state will say, and you'll say, and everyone will say, well, isn't, isn't that a great looking relationship? They're, we're in relationship because we're married. But that marriage will be stagnant, that marriage will not grow, and that marriage will not thrive apart from its ability, apart from fellowship. So you can have relationship. You, you can, you know, you know in, in January 20, 23rd of 1993, you could say, I shook hands with Jesus. I received Jesus. But yet, if I don't fellowship with Jesus... All I've, all I've had is a handshake. Now, you're going to heaven, and I'm not talking about working and earning salvation, but I'm talking, about, I'm talking about thriving and growing in life has to go beyond a handshake. It has to go beyond of, well, I'm a Christian. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Second Timothy 3. I'm just going to read verse 1 uh, and verse 5 for the sake of time. It says, But understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. So we can pretty much, in the last days, are going to be, it's going to be times of great stress, hard to deal, deal with, hard to deal with, hard to deal with, and hard to bear. In verse 5 says, For although they hold a form of godliness, but denying the pow- power thereof. So, so here you can, you can be in times of great stress, in times of great trouble, but my success... Is has to my success in God has to go beyond a form of godliness. See, the form of godliness meaning is I saying the right things, I'm going to church, I have a Bible, I may read a scripture a time or two, but yet I'm not allowing. It's just a form. It's kind of like, yeah, it was a, I can't remember, it was a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were somewhere, we were, we were at the mall. And, and, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of, my, corner of my eye, I saw someone over here. And I was like, I was like, and I thought it was a person that was right behind me, but it was a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> See, they had a form of something, but there was no life in it. 
They had a form of something. And, and see, so you can, you can come here on a Wednesday, you can come here on a Sunday and, and, and you can wear the label Christian and you can tell people at their office that you're a Christian. But the thing is, is the success, it comes down to, is there fellowship? It, is there, are you walk, is, is your relationship with God beyond just in name only or are you, is there fellowship? Because walking means uh, there's movement. I'm going somewhere. I'm going after something. We're heading in a certain direction, not just staying in the same place. So the key to not just having a form of godliness is being one that walks with God daily. Thank you, Father. Now, we all recognize the truth that without faith, you can't please God, right? We, we, we as heirs of faith, you, for the most part, most of us know that scripture, that faith is what pleases God. We all recognize the truth that without faith, you can't please God. So, so what, we, what do we do? We come to church, we may read scriptures, or we confess scriptures, and we may try to memorize certain keys to success. Yet many times, instead of causing us to flourish in faith and our prayer life, those endeavors can leave us dry and spiritless. Because we, we know that idea, without faith, I can't please God, right? And so because of that, there's this connection. Okay, well, I guess I, I need to read scriptures. I need to confess scriptures. And all right, but what were those five steps to prosperity? What were the five steps to increase? What were, and so we try, to, we try to know principles. We try to understand ideas. We try to understand concepts that bring victory. But we have to understand that my faith, my faith is built out of fellowship, is not memorizing a concept. It's not memorizing an idea. It's not, it's not memorizing a principle. Yeah, principles are great. Ideas are great. Scriptures are great. But you all have to understand it is all birthed out of fellowship with God. Real faith comes from knowing the person behind the principle. Real faith is established in understanding, understanding and knowing the creator. Real faith comes in having relationship with the son. Real faith is birthed out of having a relationship with Holy Spirit. It's not just, it's not just relationship in name only, but there is a thriving, growing relationship. It's like I'm reading the word to know him. I'm, 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 I'm confessing scriptures to know him. I'm coming to church to know him. I pray because I want to know him. I, I pray in the spirit to understand him. I, 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 I consult the Holy Spirit when I get into the word so I can better understand him. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12. He says, and the, Amplified says, and this why, why, is why I'm suffering as I do. Still, I'm not ashamed. For I know and perceive and have knowledge of and acquainted with him whom I have believed. The King James says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. 
And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Before I go forward, there's a few things I want to pull out of here. You know, it says he didn't say, I know what I believe. He didn't say, I know what I believe. He said, I know in whom I have believed. See, this was relationship. This was relationship. You have to understand, yes, there was the Old Testament. That It was the Torah. They had all those things. But you have to realize this was, this was based out of relationship. Torah was, was given so they would know God. Paul didn't have 1 Timothy. He was writing 1 Timothy. He was communicating his life. He was communicating to Timothy on how he overcame adversity. Now, he didn't say, all right, now, now, if you say this scripture three times and you fast just enough times or, you know, he said, I know in whom I have believed. Now, I'm not discounting fasting or the word, please. But I want you to say those things all point to fellowship. They all point to fellowship. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he. He is able. He is able. See, he's going back to a, he's going back to the person. He's going back to who he's in fellowship with. Thank you, Father. And persuaded that he is able to keep which I have, which I have, which I have committed, which I have committed unto him. See, what he's committed, that is walking with him. Paul's talking about him walking with him. I know in whom I have believed. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. True fellowship with the Father. True fellowship with the Son. True fellowship with Holy Spirit. True fellowship with the Word brings about a life of faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Faith and fellowship go together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Experiencing a life of God comes down to knowing God, and that comes through fellowship. Let's look at the life of Jesus for a moment. Let's go to John chapter 5. Jesus' success, Jesus wasn't successful because he was the Son of God. Jesus was successful because of his fellowship with the Father. Jesus' success wasn't because he could quote the Torah. His success was his fellowship with the Father. In John chapter 5, and we're just going to pull out quite a few scriptures here real quick. John chapter 5, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father doing. For what things over He does, these also does the Son likewise. So the Son can do nothing of Himself. So the Son, Jesus, our example, our example, one that we're to follow. How many people say Jesus? He 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 inherited promise, right? 
So what? Through faith and patience. Be followers of the who's faith and patience. So, so look how, how Jesus lived his life. We saw Enoch. We saw Abraham. We saw Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We saw that. But how did he leave? He goes, the son can do nothing of himself. Meaning he's totally relying upon his relationship with the father. But what he sees the father doing. What he sees the father doing. Now, Joseph, you can't see me do something if you're not in proximity to me. I can't see you do something unless I'm close to you. Unless I'm spending time with you. So, so Jesus had to be in close fellowship with the Father in order for him to say, you know what, I do the things that I see my Father doing. There had to be relationship there. There had to be a dialogue there. There had to be, there had to be communion there. There had to be some exchanging of ideas, some changing of, of thoughts and changing of concepts. It had to be fellowship. Thank you, Father. Verse 30 says, verse 30 of the same chapter says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. I can of my own do, my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. So the same thing with seeing. If I'm hearing, that means I had to be close enough to hear what he said. And see, your seeing, your spiritual hearing and your spiritual seeing is what's going to birth in you a life of faith. But that has to come through fellowship. I can in my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge. I'm just to bring this out is as a little rabbit trail. Everything that Jesus heard wasn't from the Father. Be like, what? Jesus said, as I hear, I judge. Because, see, we're always going to have things speaking into our lives. There's going to be things coming in through our ear gate, our eye gate all the time. So when you hear something, first you have to judge it. But so how could he judge it? Because he spent time with the Father. And a lot of times people aren't spending enough time with the Father. And therefore, therefore they, they're hearing things and they're seeing things that aren't the Father. They're hearing messages spoken. They're seeing things done in the name of Christianity, but they're not God because, and they're like, well, it sounds good. It looks good. It must be good. It could be God or that was that. But why? Because, because if you spend fellowship time with him, then you can know what's of God and what's not of God. Let's go to John 8. John 8. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heart after the Father. Heart of fellowship. Thank you, Lord. Verse, thank you, Father. 829. And he that sent me is what? He that sent me is what? Thank you, Father. Amplified says, and he who sent me is ever with me. If you're ever with something, someone, then you are in fellowship. You're in relationship. The Father hath not left me alone, 
for I do always those things that please him. Let's look at verse, let's look at verse 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father. I speak that which I have seen with my father. So if we look at the life of Jesus and we look at Jesus' success, we have to hinge his success on not just a set of rules, not just a set of principles, not just a set of ideas, but fellowship. Where did the concepts come from? Where did his teachings come from? Where did, where did his actions come? Where, where the things he did, where did they come from? His fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Father. Say fellowship with the Father. Fellowship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's look at John 17. John 17. Thank you, Father. There's a lot of verses I could read here, but for the sake of time... Read verse 20 and 21. Am I going too fast? Thank you, Father. It says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. How did the gospel get spread? Right. Through the disciples' words. Amen. See, what's, so Jesus is praying here, and he said, not only do I pray for them, but I'm also praying for all them that will believe on their word. Amen. So you know what? Look at your neighbor and say, he, that means he's prayed, he prayed about me. Amen. See, 2,000 years ago, you were on his mind. Amen. 2,000 years ago, you were on Jesus' mind. But what was the, in this prayer, what was one of the biggest things that he was praying for you and I that we would grasp and we'd lay hold of? Verse 21 says that they all may be one. That they all may be one. So he, he wants us unified, right? Man. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in you, that they, that they, who's they? They is us, right? That they also may be one in us. Now, now say this with me. That they, that they might be one, might be one in, us. in us. So Jesus' prayer, not for, just for his disciples, but his prayer for all of us, that they, that you and I, would be unified with the Father and the Son. Man, if we're one with the Father and the Son, that means the heartbeat of the Father is that we would be in fellowship with the Father and with the Son. This fellow, this is, this is, Jesus gave us the example on how to live this life. And it was all started by walking in fellowship with the Father. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Do you see that tonight? 
Do you, do you see that tonight? See, you, you and I, because of Jesus, the example of Jesus and the position of Jesus has called us to be in fellowship with the fellowship with him. Let's go to first Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Father, that we would come up in our relationship with you. Thank you, Father, that we'd come up in our relationship with you. Father, that our, that our pursuit after you, that, that we would know you personally. That we'd know you personally. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Verse 9. God is faithful. You grateful for that? By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Amplified says God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on by him. You were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Say, I was called into fellowship. With Jesus. With Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You are called into fellowship with him. You are called to walk with God. And it's not about, you know, when you're like, well, I, you know, I don't want to be in ministry. And I don't want to be a pastor. I, I'm not saying you have to be. That's not what about walking with God is all about. Walking with God is the privilege and the right to every child of God. Yes. It's not about being called into ministry. It's about, be, it's, about, it's about what his heartbeat is for all humanity. Let, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I think it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians chapter six. Hallelujah. Verse 14. I'm going to read in the King James. Now, now, now look at this through. This is God's desire, okay? God's desire is that we would fellowship. God's desire, remember the very beginning, that all would know me. This is his desire, okay? Verse 14, it says... Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord with Christ with the devil? Belial is just the devil. I mean, what agreement does Christ and the devil have? None. What for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Nothing. They, they don't go together. What, what, what fellowship has uh, with communion has light and darkness? Meaning they, they can't mix. They can't mix. Now you say, well, Justin, are, is he talking here about that, that you know, that I, I, I can't be around uh, sinners? And that's not the purpose of what he's talking about right here because he goes on and says, come out from among them and be separate. But he, he's talking about that we still have to be light to the world. Here he's talking about your call and your relationship with God. Yes, we have a call to reach the world, right? 
But just because we're called to reach the world doesn't mean I need to be like the world. Right? I, I don't have to do certain things in order to reach people. The anointing, the anointing is much more powerful than anything else. The Holy Spirit is much more powerful. The, the presence of God is much more powerful. Now, I'm grateful for testimonies and things you've been through, and God can take those things and reach someone else's life, but, but you don't have to be through a lot of things in order to reach people. Okay? So the verse 15 says, And what concord agreement has Christ with Belial? And what part hath the believer with an infidel? Or what part does a believer have with an, infid- an unbeliever? Verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? See, the answer to all these questions is none. There's no, there's no fellowship. There's no communion. There's no connection. These things will never be profitable if you mix them. I Meaning if you're constantly mixing things, then it's going to be diluted. If you're constantly mixing different things, it's going to lose its power. So what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Meaning, why do you keep bringing yourself, why do you keep fellowshipping with all these other things? He said, here he goes, he goes, you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, now what is that? I will dwell in them and I will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the father's desire. The father's desire is that you would walk with him. The father's desire is that you would dwell with him. The father's desire is that you would be his. That's the father's desire. That's the father's heartbeat. The father's heartbeat is fellowship with you. That's what the heart of the father is all about. You've been called into this fellowship. Why? Because it's the father's desire to dwell with you, walk with you, and for you to be his. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Thank you, father. Go to 1 Corinthians. I mean, I'm sorry, 1 John. 1 John. 1 John. Thank you, Father. Walking with God. Thank you, Father. Walking with you. Thank you, Father. I I hope, if anything, I'm making you hungry to to fellowship with God. I hope hope you're seeing inside the fact that of what the Father's heart is for you. You know, why, why does... Why, you know, we classify certain things as sin or, or all these other things. And people are like, does that make God mad or does this make God mad? The bottom line it comes down to is, is, is it just separates you from him. It, 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 he, he, he wants to be with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. First John chapter one, chapter, first John chapter one, verse one. Thank you, Father. We are writing about, I'm going to read the Amplified. It says, we're writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning. So he says, we are writing about the word of life, and this is the Amplified, in him who existed from the beginning. So he's writing, he's not writing about just a word, right? It's the word of life. Then it says, in him. 
You know, he's, he's correlating really, for John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning, in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father. So he's talking about beholding Jesus, right? So we are writing about Jesus, Him who existed from the beginning. Now get this, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our eyes. Whom we've gazed upon and touched with our own hands. You see, if I'm hearing something, I'm seeing something, and I'm touching something, then I had to have had fellowship with it, right? Yeah. Right? Amen. If you saw something, you heard something, and you touched something, then there had to be relationship, right? Verse 2, and his life was revealed and made manifest and demonstrated, and we saw. We saw as eyewitnesses and were testifying and declaring to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the father and who actually was made visible to us, his followers. Verse three, what we have seen and ourselves heard, meaning this very one we had fellowship with, we're also telling you. You see, when, when, when there's something that's so good you got to share it with someone else. you got to share it with someone else. I mean, think about this. They walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. Even John, he even saw the Mount Transfiguration. He even saw the glory of God. Peter even talks about it. And he says, we even have a more sure word of prophecy. And, and here he says, man, I saw this. I, I, I heard it. And he goes, so that you too may realize, and I love how the Amplified says this, realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. Meaning everything I'm sharing with you. What was Jesus' prayer? I pray for not only these alone, but all these that will believe on their word. John was one of them. And what was John saying? What I saw, what I heard. I want you. I want you to have fellowship. The way I put my head on Jesus' chest, I want you to put your head on Jesus' chest. I walk with Jesus through this earth, and you know what? You can walk with Jesus through the earth. Jesus taught us to pray through the Holy Spirit. Jesus teach you to pray. Hallelujah. I can go on and on in another direction, but hallelujah. And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This fellowship that John is declaring, it's a distinguishing mark of a Christian. What marks your life? Not how many scriptures you can quote. What marks your life? Not all the concepts and ideas to success. What marks your life is your fellowship with the Father. Because you can know lots of principles. And there's, there is seminaries. There are churches that are declaring concepts and principles. But there's no life flowing. There's churches that meet and gather all over the world. That may be just talking about concepts and ideas and precepts. 
but is it bringing you into greater fellowship? The life of God. This is a distinguishing mark of a Christian. Without you can make note of this. You can go back there, go back to it in uh, Exodus chapter 33, 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way really down through 21. He's talking to Moses. And in the Amplified, he says, he goes, I'm not going to go unless your presence goes with me. And I love how the, how the Amplified brings it out. He goes, because he goes, he really is talking, it's a question. He's like, kind of like, like, like dad, like God. He goes, now, isn't it in you going with us? Isn't in you going with us that makes us distinguished? Isn't, isn't you being with us that brings change in our lives? That's the heart of the Father, that you would know him. Let me close with this. First John chapter 5. I'm going to close with this, and I'll pick up next week on this. Hallelujah. First John chapter 5. So we're called to fellowship. God desires fellowship. This fellowship is what makes us distinguished. And lastly, fellowship is what produces confidence. And confidence is faith. Remember, by faith, by fellowship. First John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you. Now, we just read First John chapter 1. Verse 1, what did he write? That you would have fellowship with the Father and the Son, right? Is a distinguishing mark of a Christian. So that's part of these things. So these things, all these things that I shared with you in these, these four or five chapters, these things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. And this is the confidence that we have in him, not the confidence that you have in the 12 steps to prosperity, not in, not in how many scriptures you can quote or confess or read, but this is your confidence that you have in him. Now, don't get the scriptures are to get you to know him. Right. Right. Let's make sure we understand. I'm not belittling the scriptures, confessing scriptures, declaring scriptures, steps and principles of prosperity. I'm not belittling those. But you have to understand, all these principles in the scriptures come down to knowing him. And this is the confidence that we have in him. You could say, and this is the faith that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How are you going to know his will? When you spend time with him. Jesus said. Because I know what the father wills. How did he do that? Fellowship. Fellowship. Thank you father. Thank you father. Thank you for placing within us tonight. A hunger for the word. A hunger for your presence. Thank you Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Just repeat this after me. And this is the confidence that I have in him. That if we ask anything 
according to his will, he hears us. Thank you, Father. The next verse says, keep reading with me. And if we know that he hears us, what server we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for a hunger to know you, Father. To walk with you. To walk with you. Hunger for your presence. Hunger to hear your voice. Hunger to see you. Thank you, Father. That our fellowship be with you and with your Son and with Holy Spirit. I believe as you take time to fellowship and take time to pray and take time for the Word, your relationship with the Father will grow and increase and abound. And it's amazing how that relationship with Him grows. Those things that were causing you to be unequally yoked, all of a sudden will just let their hold go of you. Not because, not because it was some sort of law or someone said you had to stop this or you had to stop that or you can't do that or you do that, you're going to hell and you do this. No, as you pursue him, all those other things will just fall by the wayside. Don't pursue principles and, and rules. and No, pursue him. And I'm telling you, you will find yourself right in the middle of his will for your life. Thank you, Father. Do you believe that? Give him a shout of praise for the word. Amen.